so good to see all of you here. It really is. Great day, great day. And, uh, and you know what? We're going we're gonna to have some fun here, all right? So it's going to require your participation. We're going to play a little game. We call it the or game, which you get two choices, and you're going to vote on which one you like the more. So when the choice that you prefer comes up, make some noise, clap your hands, stomp your feet, shout, do whatever you do, and let's get into this. Okay, and the theme of the or game, so bring your, bring your game, uh, is surprise. Which of the two is a more awesome surprise to you? The first one is this, which is a more awesome surprise for you. Elvis is still alive or Bigfoot is real? Let's hear for Elvis. Let's hear for Bigfoot. Okay, which is more awesome for you? Officer left, lets you off with just a warning or you get free concert tickets to your favorite artist, all right? So let's hear it for, get off with just a warning. Free concert tickets. Okay, the new Marvel Universe movie is announced. Ah, or Rocky Part 17 comes out, all right? Let's hear it for Marvel. Let's hear it for Rocky. All right, you need some, some strong help in the situation you're facing. Who shows up to help you? Vladimir Putin or Chuck Norris? We're not even gonna vote on that one, all right? So here's the next one. So, what's the mo more awesome surprise for you? Somebody pulls off a surprise birthday party for you and all your family and friends are there, or you reconnect with an old friend, all right? Which one? Okay, let's hear for surprise party with everybody. Let's hear for reconnecting with an old friend. All right, which do you prefer and which is a more awesome surprise? Snow day in January or summer day in April? Let's hear for snow days. Let's hear for summer days. Whoa. Okay. Okay, so which is more awesome surprise for you? Next year, Brock Purdy wins the MVP and the Super Bowl, or Caitlin Clark and Iowa win the NCAA championship. I know that's a hard one. It's gonna, the house may be divided here, all right? But you gotta really give it up for this one. Let's hear for Brock Purdy. Let's hear for Caitlin Clark. All right. And by the way, both of those people have some connection here to Valley Church. Brock Purdy, four years in a row, he came to our Night to Shine prom experience, was an incredible uh, buddy there, and he posted on his Instagram. Let's hear for that guy. That's a great guy, you know? And this coming June, Caitlin Clark will have her Caitlin Clark Skills Camp at the Valley, our own Valley Community Center across the street. And give it up for Caitlin Clark, she'll be there. And if you're wondering, it's completely sold out. Okay, um, all right. There are some great surprises in life and we can celebrate them. And the greatest surprise of all is Easter. It was then and is now. It is the surprise of your life. So let's get started by hearing what the Gospel of John has to say about that very first Easter. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. 
She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then, following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lined with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. So Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb. She's, she's it's still dark. And then she just, just gets the shock of her life as the tomb, the stone is rolled away from the tomb. And she's just distraught and frantic. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. And Peter and the other disciple, who's John here, he, they head out for the tomb. They go running for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. And then we get this back and forth of John looking in and Peter rushing in like he does. And then John finally goes in and he believes. There's all this back and forth. And what is this about John telling us, who writes the gospel of John, that he outran Peter? And who got there first? And who went in first? And who saw first? And who believed first? What is this all about? Why did they write it this way? Well, there is one theory. And uh, check it out. Guys, they're back. You got to get in here. So was she right? Was the tomb empty? Do you want to tell them or do you want me to? No, go ahead. Okay, so we're running. I get there first. Peter gets there second. Whoa, what? Do you really have to mention that you were first? Sorry, it's just, it's what happens. So I, I get there first. I, Peter catches up. I let him go in first. Tell him the rest. Yeah, I went in first after we both got there in a pretty respectable time and his grave clothes were just sitting there. Wait, I missed it. Is the tomb empty? Yeah, it was empty. I saw it, Peter saw it as soon as he caught up with me. Come on, man. I'm sorry, I'm just so, it's the last time. No one will ever know again. Yeah, it's not a key part to the story. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, maybe, that's one theory. Actually, I don't, think, I don't think this is really about John flexing about his running pace or his personal best, or I beat my best friend, na 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 right? I don't think so. I, I, I think, although there might be a little bit there, um, it, it seems convoluted to us, but actually the report has to do with making clear that there were two people there when the first one entered the tomb. Because in the Old Testament and in the first century, every matter must be established by the witness of two people. And so they wanna make sure that all the order, and he tells exactly what happened here. And Peter runs straight in, sees what's happening, he sees the, the grave clothes there. The other disciple reached the tomb first, mm -hmm. also went in, he saw and believed. He says, it's happened. He's actually been raised from the dead. And one of the clues to this and the surprise of this is the grave clothes themselves. Because the way the language tells us is the grave clothes are sitting there, the long um, 
uh, shroud that, uh, that, uh, that surrounded Jesus' body is just empty. It's like a cocoon. It's just, it's still intact. It's just the body is removed from it. So it's not like robbers came and ripped it away. And why would they do that anyway? Um, it's just there. And then Jesus has taken the, the, the wrapping around the head and has folded it up like he's making his bed as kind of the final act of defiance of death. So that's what this point of all is all about. And he's just, they're just, they see this and, and he says he saw and believed. This was a huge surprise. 2,000 years later, we, we know what's coming, right? But for them, they're walking in figuring, what, there's gonna be a dead body. There's no dead body. There's just grave clothes there. This was the very last thing they expected. You expect this dead body, you see an empty tomb and these mysterious grave clothes. What is going on? Here's the first truth I learned from this passage and that is Jesus is far more powerful than we can imagine. That is what Easter is all about. Here's what I'm telling you. Easter is about a supernatural power that is at work in raising Jesus from the dead. This is about the reality of history. Christianity is not just about beliefs and ideas, and it's not about opinions and perspectives. It's about history, what actually happened in real life. It is about the power of God to raise his son from the dead. He's far more powerful than a carpenter turned rabbi. Scripture says in another place that Jesus was, quote, declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. So the resurrection is God's surprise gauntlet thrown down against the forces of darkness, against the power of sin and death. That's where we start the story. He's powerful. He's powerful for you and for me. Let's continue the story. Check it out. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They say to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, Why are you crying? Who is it that you are seeking? Supposing it was the cardinal, she replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, turning around, she said to him in Aramai, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't click to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. So Mary is outside the tomb. She's crying. She's crying because Jesus is dead. And someone has desecrated, apparently, the tomb of Jesus. They have done something Something terrible has happened here. And, and then these two messengers, I don't think she recognizes the supernatural nature of them just right away. These two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying. Something strange going on here. Why are you crying, they ask her. And she just says, because they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they put him. 
She's just distraught. Having said this, she turned around and she sees Jesus standing there. She didn't know it was Jesus. I don't know why she didn't initially recognize him. Was it was because her, her eyes were filled with tears? Or maybe it, we're told it was still dark, so maybe it was too dark for her to see. Or maybe Jesus now in his resurrection body looks somehow different. But she doesn't recognize him. But he says to her, woman, why are you crying? Very tenderly. And then I think maybe possibly with a, Jesus has a slight smirk on his face when he says... Who is it that you're seeking? Who are you looking for? Supposing he was the gardener, that's the only thing she can think of, of this garden tomb area. Tell me where you put him, I'll take him away. He said, Jesus says to her one word, Mary. And instantly, she recognizes her name spoken by the Lord Jesus. And she cries out, Rabboni, which means teacher, master. You're alive. And this is a huge surprise. Surprise, I'm alive. And he says, don't hang on to me. You got work to do. Go tell the brothers, I'm alive. And she runs back to them. She says, I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. Instantly, surprise, her sorrow is turned to joy. She's excited. She's overwhelmed with enthusiasm. Why? Because she's got good news. Jesus, she thought was dead. He is alive. And he has defeated the very worst enemy of all, death itself, never to die again. Now there's nothing that could stop Jesus. There is no problem too big, no grief too deep, no turnaround situation too impossible, no heartache too great that he could not heal. Mary, surprise, you expect to see a dead body. You saw an empty tomb. Surprise, you you thought he was the gardener. Turns out he's the risen Jesus. You're experiencing sorrow and grief, and now it's all been turned to joy and enthusiasm. Here's the second truth I learned on this Easter Sunday, and that is Jesus can transform you and your situation. In a crowd this size, there's plenty of people here that need a turnaround. I don't know what situation you might have, but I want you to think about it for a moment. What is the situation in life that I'm facing right now that needs a turnaround? Where I need to see and I want to see God show up in powerful ways, but I don't know if it's going to happen. And maybe there's a difficulty you're facing or a circumstance. Here's what I'm telling you today on Easter. What we need to remember is that Jesus is alive. He is powerful and he is alive and he can help. He promised us, he just wasn't just there then. He says, I'm with you always. He can help, he can heal. He can change your sorrow to joy. He can transform you from the inside out and empower you through the most difficult circumstances of your life. They may not be entirely removed, the hardships, but he will give you power beyond your own to persevere and to come through them with peace and joy. He's not the gardener. He's the risen Lord. That's who he is. And just like Jesus did to Mary, today on Easter Sunday, he's calling your name. Jessica, Michael, Ashley, Tyler, I don't know, your name. He's calling out to you. And he's saying, I'm alive. I'm not dead, I'm not a legend, I'm not a story, I'm not just a teacher. I'm more than all that. I'm your savior, I'm your risen king, and I can restore whatever has been lost to you, and I can help turn around whatever situation you're facing.
And so he's saying to you, you can overcome your sorrows. You can rebound from that setback. You can experience new joy. You can have all your sins forgiven. Your past can be made new by trusting in me, he says. Trust in in Jesus Christ today. You can experience the surprise of your life. Some here might be saying, you know, that's great, but pastor, you don't know me. You don't know that what I, I've, I've done in my life. You don't know the past that I have, the things I've done. You don't know. And I don't know, but Jesus does. And he still loves you. And he's calling out your name today. And he's saying, trust in me. Will you put your trust and your hope in me? Will you believe that I truly am raised from the dead, that I can actually still work in your life and in this world, that I can bring this to you personally and to our community and to our nation and to our world? I can bring turnaround. I can bring renewal. I can bring awakening. I can bring revival to your heart and to our nation and world. He, we still believe that today because Jesus Christ is real and he is alive. So I want you to take just a moment right now. And I want you to, in the quietness of your heart, just to ask God, God, please bring a turnaround in my life. As you pray that, begin to look for God at work because Jesus is alive and he's with you always. Now, I I tell you all that, but I want to tell you this too. It may not have to be some big, giant, spectacular, or horrible situation. It may not be that big of a deal. It may be something small in your life. It may be something insignificant in your life. You think insignificant, but Jesus can turn that around too. How many of you in this room have ever done something really dumb? Like, that was dumb. That was not wise. Raise your hand, please. Thank you for the... Most of you who are honest. Okay. Um, Today, I want to tell you, you can overcome the dumbest things you've ever done in your life. I know that from personal experience. Because right now, I'm going to tell you the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life, all right? It's not the worst thing I've ever done in my life. That would take longer. I'm gonna tell you the dumbest thing that I've ever done in my life, and I've never told this before, okay? I told my wife, the awesome Ruth Steve, two days ago for the first time. She didn't even know about this, and I'm going to, should I tell you? Okay, you wanna hear? Okay, so rewind about 20 years, and I'm in my hometown, Greenwood, Indiana, suburb of Indianapolis, and I'm sitting down with one of my high school buddies. I'll call him Steve, because that was his name. And um, Steve, we're having this conversation, and, uh, and, but he sits down. We haven't seen each other since high school, okay? He looks me in the eyes, first words out of his mouth, Quentin, I'm so sorry about that night in the graveyard. It's okay, Steve. It's okay. And we moved on. We both were catapulted back another 30 years. Guys, it's 50 years ago from now, okay? 50 years ago from now. I'm 12 years old at the time. This was the dumbest thing I ever did. I was the good kid. I, I, I didn't get in trouble. I was on the straight and narrow. I did, I did all that stuff. But somehow Steve talks me into that night, sneaking out with multiple cartons of eggs into the graveyard. And from the graveyard position in hiding, we're lobbing eggs onto cars passing by on US 31 at high speeds. Pastor, that's dumb. That's what you're thinking. And it is, it's dumb. Kids, 
Promise me you will never do this. Promise me that you won't try this. Promise. We will. Okay, promise. Okay. And besides, you can't even afford the eggs. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> you never do it. Okay. So there we are. We're lobbing them in. And this is dangerous. These cars are moving at high speeds. They're plumbing, peltering them with these eggs back when they were cheap. And, and wow, that was so dumb. And then what happened was somebody had the audacity to call the police. And guess what? The police show up and they come rolling into the graveyard. This was my surprise in the graveyard, right? They come rolling in and they get out the big search line and they're doing this thing. This actually happened. I'm terrified. I'm 12 years old. I'm running for my life through the graveyard. Here's the graveyard. This is the actual graveyard in my hometown. Okay, it needs to be darker though because it was dark. Okay, a little bit darker. Okay, there, there. Okay, it's really dark, really dark, and I'm running through. I'm tripping over gravestones. It's a, it's a cemetery. It's scary already, and now we're doing all this, and, and finally we're all scattering. The police are looking for us, shouting, come out, you know, with your hands up, all this kind of stuff, and we're just running for our lives, and... Um, and finally, I see a patch of tall grass. And I said, this is my escape route. So I just jump into the patch of tall grass. And I said, I'm just going to wait there. I'm going to wait it out and hope that they don't find me. And I waited and waited and waited. And I saw the searchlight going over my head. And it seemed like an hour. And finally, guess what? They left. I got away and I ran as fast as I could to get out of there, I'm telling you. And all my friends escaped. No one got caught that night. That, my friends, was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my, I mean, that's so dumb. Do you agree? Yes, thank you. Um, okay, so here's the thing though. You know what's the most surprising thing about that? You know what the biggest surprise of that is though? If you had told me that night, lying, scared to death, could have gotten in big trouble, scared to death in the grass. If you told me that night, Quentin, 50 years from now, you're going to be the pastor of a church in Des Moines, Iowa, and you're going to stand up in front of a big Easter crowd, and you're going to tell them that story and the story of Jesus. I would have told you, you're out of your mind. There is no possible way that could be true, that could ever happen. In fact, if you had told 17-year-old me that someday you're going to be the pastor of this church in Des Moines, Iowa, and you're going to be there for like 30-plus years and running, I would have said, as a 17-year-old, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's a dream come true. And I am so grateful, so grateful that God takes unqualified really dumb people who make really bad decisions sometimes and still uses them for his glory. He still brings turnaround. He can do that in my, he did that in my life. He can do that in your life. Can we keep going? All right. Let's go on to the next incredible part of this story of the gospel. When it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. 
So it was, e- it was evening, and they're all in church. Oh, they're still coming to church. They're not going to miss church. But the doors are locked because they were afraid. They're fearful because their enemies killed Jesus, and now their enemies might kill them. They're fearful because they don't want to die. Guys, that's a legitimate fear. They didn't want to die. That's reasonable. That's legit. But then Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Surprise! Wow, he shows up at church. So the disciples rejoiced they had seen the Lord. In an instant, their fears are just evaporate. In a place of fear, now they have total peace. All is well. They were overjoyed. How could their fears be changed to peace? It's because the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is alive now. And what could anybody do to them now if Jesus has that kind of power and authority? Nobody can. There's nothing in your life that can happen outside of God's control. Even the worst of circumstances, he's still in control and he can bring peace. He can. We all, we all have our fears. We do. We're afraid of the future. Maybe we're afraid of what's going to happen to me, to my family, what's going to happen in the world. Maybe we're afraid of some kind of sudden loss, afraid of bad news, afraid of rejection, fearful of being hurt. Maybe you're afraid of losing a job, afraid of death itself. And what I want to tell you today is, You're not a bad person if you have those fears. You're a human being. And Jesus is saying to you, I'm here for you. Peace be with you. And peace isn't just the absence of conflict. It's wholeness. It's well-being. It's like God's there for you. He's got you. He's got this. So he's here for you. So no matter what it is you're troubled about, Jesus is saying, I've got peace for you. More than that, He's got purpose for you. He says, as the Father has sent me, so also I send you. Surprise, I've got work for you to do, he says to these. He goes, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Now you have the Holy Spirit within you to empower you to go out and love the world, change the world, bring the message of Jesus to the world. He says, it went much further than this. This group of disciples doesn't just get peace, they get a purpose. They become world changers. They come out of their locked rooms and they love people. It's time to let go of fear and love people and share the good news. They got involved in telling the truth and showing compassion and loving their neighbors, not just in Jerusalem, but all over the world. And the early church did this. We say at Valley Church, we we do good works to build goodwill, to become good neighbors and have opportunities to share the good news. And that's what they did. He says, you're in the forgiveness business now. You're not in the shame and guilt and fear business, praise God. He, and they told this message of good news, of peace and forgiveness to everyone they met, wherever they went. And some people took it and received the message. And some people did not take it and rejected the message, but that didn't stop them. They just said, move on, keep going, keep going forward, keep sharing the good news, keep living the good news, show it in your words and your actions. And the disciples got the surprise of their lives that day. They thought, it's over. Jesus says, you're just getting started. They said, lock the doors, hide under the bed, don't go outside. He said, go out there with my peace and my joy and and share the good news of 
of who I am. They thought, we're done, we're toast, we're failures. He said, your mission in life has only just begun. So for everybody here, and maybe you're facing a hard situation, maybe this isn't the end. Instead, this is a new beginning. That's the surprise. Jesus, here's the third truth. Jesus promises you his peace and his purpose. So unlock the doors, connect with some people, take out your community card there. Next weekend and the following one, Ruth and I'd love to meet some of you we haven't met before. Um, connect with a life group. Say, I want to I connect with some people. I've got to try that out. Um, maybe you'd like to volunteer in services. Put me in. Check up Love You Des Moines Days and also our Good For All conference is coming up again the first uh, Sunday of June. And then if you're say, saying, I still need to check this all out, then try Alpha. We'd love to get you involved. Get on board. Jump into this because he's got peace for you and he's got purpose for you. Let's see the next part of the story. But Thomas, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. A week later, his disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So here's the fourth tr truth we learn from this Easter story, that Jesus can turn a skeptic into a worshiper and then even into a messenger. That's the story of Thomas. Well, Thomas, it says, one of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. Guys, that is a really bad day to miss church. When Jesus Christ shows up resurrected from the dead and you weren't there, that's not great. But they say, they're excited. We've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord. And they, he says, I'm having none of that. You're a bunch, you bunch of wild-eyed, gullible optimists. There's no way that's true. Thomas has a nickname. His nickname is... Doubting Thomas, right, and for good reason. He's figured it's all just too good to be true. You just can't beat death. It's the one thing that is final, and there's no doubt about it. Death and taxes, right? You can count on them. You can totally count on them. And also that your county assessor will raise the value of your property. Um, you can count on that, too. Somebody said... Find someone who, who will value you as much as the county assessor does, all right? Um, but I digress. Uh, okay, here we go. It's a deadline. That's why they call it that. And it's just too good to be true. A week later, Jesus shows up again. And he says to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. 
Reach your, out your hand, put it in my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. And instantly, Thomas is just overcome with worship. And he says, my Lord and my God. It is the single greatest statement and clearest statement of the deity of Jesus Christ in all the Bible. He looks directly at Jesus, worships him, and says, you are my Lord and my God. So Thomas, he gets the surprise of his life. He was filled with doubt and disappointment, and now he's turned to worship. He is instantly transformed. He's this gloomy pessimist and defeatist. He's thrown in the towel on Jesus and on God and on everybody else. And now he becomes this dynamic worshiper of the living God. He's filled with amazement and joy and trust and relief and praise and worship and faith. He's got it all. He's a brand new man. Man, what made him change? It was the resurrection of Jesus. A person filled with doubts today, whether you're here today, about whether, maybe you doubt whether Jesus really was the person he claimed to be. He really was alive. Whether all of this is actually true. Today I want to invite you. I also want to challenge you. I believe that there is overwhelming evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We don't have time to go into all of those. There's the eyewitness accounts. There's 500 plus eyewitnesses who we have no historical record of them ever having recanted or gone back on their testimony that they saw Jesus Christ raised from the dead even when many of them were tortured and put to death. Not a single one of them ever took that story back because it was true. We have the empty tomb. We have the incredible spread of the Christian church that just goes like gangbusters from this moment, from cowering in fear to outly, suddenly out on the streets doing amazing things and within a few centuries has completely taken over the entire known world. It was just an amazing movement of God. But that's, there's more than that. We don't have time to go into all of that. But I believe that Jesus Christ will meet the doubter right where you are and he can use unusual circumstances to, and ways to convince you of his resurrection. He's done it in millions and millions of people's lives. He, he, at one point, though, he will challenge you to stop doubting and believe in him. So can I challenge you today? If you're still having doubts, hear what we're saying today. Maybe today's the day you step over the line. But perhaps, maybe also, if that, you're not ready for that yet, talk to a friend Read the Gospels, try out Alpha, but begin, have the courage and the honesty to begin exploring this seriously, the, the truth claim of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has something for you. He said to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. In other words, there's a special blessing for all of you today and for anyone who has never physically seen the resurrected Jesus, but you believed based upon the good evidence that we have that he is real and true. And if you're still in that camp, you're not sure, he's talking to you. There's a blessing for you because you've, he says, blessed are you who have not seen and yet believe. You haven't seen the risen Lord Jesus, but the evidence is all there, my friend. Go for it. Pursue him. Seek him. Let's hear the last part of this great Easter story. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. 
but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. The Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So the fifth truth I learned in this passage is that Jesus offers every single one of us abundant and everlasting life. He offers you an adventure in this life that you're living, not free of you know, any difficulties, but with a power far beyond your own to live it, an abundant, full life of satisfaction and meaning and purpose and significance, and in the life to come, everlasting life with God and with all who believe in him. Jesus Christ is calling out to all people today. Yes, you can ask your questions, but eventually he challenges you to say, the evidence is there, the resurrection is real. Why don't you step over the line? He has so much to offer you in this life. Abundant life and everlasting life. Why would you hold back? And I wanna tell you today, very honestly and sincerely, Jesus Christ is the surprise of my life. He is. Growing up, went to church all the time, never would have thought that I'd be all in for Jesus. Never would have thought that I would take his teaching seriously and, and by the power of the Holy Spirit start to pursue him and follow him. And the love that I have for Jesus and for his people, the church, Never could have seen that happening. Never in a million years. It's the surprise of my life. 2,000 years ago, God sent his son to die on a cross for my sins and for all of us. 2,000 years ago, he, he gloriously rose from the dead to give you new life and new hope. And 2,000 years ago, God knew that you would be here today at Valley Church in the very seat that you occupy. It's not an accident. He knows, he's sovereign. He knew that you would be here. So it's not a mistake you're here. And he's asking you today, are you ready for the surprise of your life? Do you want to experience his power? Do you want to be transformed? Do you wanna come out of the darkness into the light? Do you want all your sins forgiven? Do you want peace that you've never experienced before? Do you want purpose, a mission, a cause, a reason to live? Do you want abundant life? Do you want everlasting life? If the answer to that, those questions is yes, then there's really only one question left. Will you trust in Jesus Christ? He is risen. You haven't seen him, but will you believe that he was raised from the dead? For the scripture says, anyone with their mouth confesses Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be forgiven, restored, reconciled, adopted into his forever family, rescued and given life everlasting. It's for you. Father in heaven, today we come and we thank you for this Easter. Thank you for the great celebration we've had to be able to just with joy celebrate you 
And I pray for even one today who says, this message was for me. I pray that someone here, many would pray this day, Lord Jesus, I believe you are raised from the dead. I believe you are Lord. Please come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new hope. Give me peace. Give me purpose. I give you my life today as best I know how and trust you are alive and with us now. And everybody agreed and said, amen.